This is A Fresh Agenda. Conversations to connect your productivity and creativity and generate your deepest work. Here's your host, Christina Mendonza. This is A Fresh Agenda, where we chat with innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. I'm Christina Mendonza. Welcome to this tiny spot in the podcast universe. Glad to have you here. Uh, This podcast is about having some deeper and more positive conversations on topics of creativity and motivation to explore how people create or build their businesses or innovate in their industries. Today, my first and one of my favorite guests, Jenny Blake. I call her the queen of career pivoting. Now, Jenny and I first spoke back in 2017 as I was in the midst of my own pivot from TV to media entrepreneur. And her combination of realism and optimism just spoke to me so strongly. And I actually used her pivot book as I made my own pivot. So I've been conspiring to get her back on the show because I got great feedback from so many of you on that podcast. And that's back in the archive. So if you're interested in listening to her first interview after you hear this one, just subscribe on SoundCloud to A Fresh Agenda with Christina Mendonca for back episodes. A Fresh Agenda, just look for it. I think we're closing in on like... Uh, number 70. So there are quite a few to catch up on. We are in to August and summer seems to be just slipping through my fingers. It has been a busy one work-wise with the promotion of our new morning show, KFBK Morning News on uh, Sacramento's 93.1. You can also hear it on the iHeartRadio app anywhere in the world. My daughter listens in Australia. It is the KFBK Morning News with me, Christina Mendonca, and my co-anchor, Sam Shane, who is also a longtime TV guy, worked at the network for a while, longtime career here in Northern California. And we are working hard on building a good core audience and excellent content. So we would love to have you join us on any weekday morning from 5 a.m. until 9 a.m. Pacific time. Okay, so a few words before we get to my guest. First, my sponsor, New Age Ariel, and I have to tell you about them because I recently did a project with them in downtown Sacramento, and I was so impressed. I mean, I was impressed before, but this is the first time like we have worked on a project Uh, so closely together. I needed some aerial coverage for a big announcement, a huge news conference on a current construction project, major construction project in downtown Sacramento. And Dave and his team showed up early. They had two fantastic drones and they gave me tons of gorgeous shots, not only of the construction, but city views, skyline views. They captured the big announcement perfectly and they took care of the licenses and the flight planning and the notifications that are all all required because we were very close to the capital. So there are lots of notifications, of course, to do this. Uh, they took care of all of that and they got me the video fast. So if you need pictures or videos for your film, your project, your real estate, um, HD, 4K, time lapse, whatever you need, Dave will exceed your expectations. Give him and his team a call or look them up online. That's New Age Ariel, 916-645-3474 or newageariel.com. All right, now to my guest, Jenny Blake. The first sentence of her web introduction says, I love helping awesome people like you organize your brain, move beyond burnout, and build a sustainable career you love. Her warmth just jumps off the screen, and you're going to hear it in her voice as well. Her techniques are easy to do. They really get you thinking about what you want and how to get there. So we started by talking about her book, Pivot, and what's happened in the two years since its release. 
you're definitely going to get some insight into your own life and career. And who knows, maybe you'll work up to your own pivot. Hello. Hey, Jenny, it's Christina. Hi, Christina. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am great. I'm so happy we get to talk today. And I'm so excited. This is the second time you've been on my podcast. I get to talk to you again. And the last time we spoke, uh, we were talking about Pivot, which was just out at that time. Tell me about the reaction and, and what you've been doing since then. Well, thanks, Christina, for having me back. You're one of my favorite interviewers and show hosts, so it's an honor to be here. You're so great at what you do, and I've loved watching your pivot unfold as well. Thank you. Um, So so much has happened. You know, I have a lot of friends who either are authors or want to be, and I always tell them not to worry about, don't judge a launch by whether it's successful or not one weekend or even one month in. And in fact, for me, I prepare for things to sort of build slowly. My goal with anything that I create, whether it's the podcast or the book or anything else, is that it's good enough that somebody finishes it and they want to tell a friend. That's it. And if each person tells one friend, that to me is a success, and it grows slowly over time, even if there's no big burst of a launch. <clears throat> but one of the biggest things and coolest things that's happened since Pivot came out is that Google ended up adopting it as their go-to and central career development framework globally. So it's really cool because in the book, I talk about pivoting out of Google and going into full-time self-employment starting in 2011, a little over eight years now. And yet I still work with Google today as one of my biggest clients. And similarly, they didn't shun me saying, well, you left, we want nothing to do with you. They kept in touch. And now they've chosen Pivot as their global career development framework for managers and employees. And that to me is such an honor and a surprise. And it's something I never would have thought could happen when the book came out, but I'm so glad that it did. It just shows the power of pivoting and not thinking that either one has to start from scratch. Wow. Well, you know, for uh, for those who haven't listened to the first uh, podcast with you, and I'd encourage them to go back and listen to that, but uh, for those who haven't, tell us a little bit about what you did at Google and when you decided it was time to make a pivot to something else. I was there for five and a half years. I pivoted from product training, teaching customer service reps how to support the AdWords product over to coaching and career development. And while I was there, I launched a global drop-in coaching program. So I taught managers and directors around the world how to have better career conversations. And that was really a dream job on paper. The issue is that I also had a blog and a book that was coming out. My first book is called Life After College. And I was really starting to burn out. And I just knew that I couldn't do both and be fair to either one. It wouldn't be fair to my book and my own projects to try to do both. And it wouldn't be fair to Google to give them half of my energy and my attention. And so that's really the point where I decided I know that I would regret not at least trying to go out on my own when my first book was launching. And if I fail after six months, so be it. At least I'll know that I tried. And it was extra scary because I had mentors at the time where when I asked them, I said, I just don't know what to do. This should be my dream job, but I can't juggle both anymore. And they said, well, if you leave, then can you put in my resume? So it was very nerve wracking that even my mentors were not saying, oh, yeah, go out on your own. You've got this. They're saying, are you crazy? Then put in my resume because I want the job you have. Wow. So 
It wasn't an easy choice, but here I am eight years later, still, still float. So things have been going well. That's fantastic. And you discussed this a little bit in your book, but you know, when you first like kind of decided to go out on your own, um, that was not an easy time. And I think the entrepreneurs that I talk to here discuss that, that kind of that, that first year it's, you know, it's hard, it's very difficult and, but you can plan uh, for mitigating some of those circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. I think having a pivot runway of some kind is helpful. Just what's and and knowing not just what's the dollars in the bank, but what are you willing to part with? So for me, I had six months of savings. It would take me six months of my life running my monthly net, as they call it. And I was willing, the time I knew I was ready to leave was when I knew that I was willing to spend every penny of that pivot runway and have no regrets because prior to that point, I was feeling very nervous or scared. Well, that I regret, well, if I lose all my savings, then where am I? And for the first time I was willing to go six whole months. And if I didn't earn any income, that's part two of this. I think it's helpful to know what your threshold is. How long are you willing to give something to see if it can work? Then I knew, okay, I'll pivot again. I'll go get another job. And I didn't even have that language at the time, but those two things were really helpful, just knowing how much was in the bank. And then also, this is advice I wish that I had earlier in my career as an entrepreneur, but I call it in pivot, the cash flow cow, some kind of bridge income or steady recurring revenue, whether it's one-on-one coaching with clients on retainer. I now have a private membership community called Momentum, but it's so important to build in repeatable recurring revenue that helps build the bridge from wherever you are now to what you're trying to build down the road. And without that, it's so stressful because you never knew, you never know what you're bringing in and when. What you've done is, I mean, definitely not easy, and you you discuss a lot of that. But, but you were talking before about about leaving uh, your job at Google because you didn't want to burn out. We discuss, uh, at least on our, our morning radio show, we discuss burnout quite a bit, and it is something that more and more people are dealing with. What are you hearing from your clients when it comes to uh, burnout? How to prevent it? How do you counsel people as they're just working as hard as they can to get ahead? First, you're not alone. As you said, Christina, more and more people are talking about this because we're all experiencing it. Technology and social media, it's accelerating at such a rapid clip. All of these companies and online media sites are vying for our attention. They're trying. They're deliberately. And I mean, yes, they're running businesses too, but things are engineered to try to yank our attention away and into these platforms, I feel like we're all experiencing peak ping. Like one more notification and I'm going to lose my mind, you know, (laughs) a text message, an email, Instagram, uh, your public comments on Facebook or Instagram, then your private messages, LinkedIn. There's so many inboxes now and so much pressure to check and keep up with all of them that I don't know who isn't losing their mind a little bit in this environment. And that's why I really respect Cal Newport's work around deep work and minimizing distractions. Um, And there's even a new book coming out called Indistractable that I think is really good because uh, near Eyal, the author, he talks about distraction, things that are taking away from your time and energy and your values, and then traction. And part of combating burnout and distraction is actually getting clear on what do you want? What is important to you? What does drive you? What are you passionate about? And with clarity on what you're trying to create traction around, 
then you can drop some of the guilt. I, I myself am a lifelong recovery people pleaser and perfectionist. So I think part of the burnout equation is also being willing to set boundaries and not feel so guilty. If, you know, there are some text messages I take six months. I took six months earlier this year to respond to. And I had friends who looked at my phone and said they'd have a hernia if they saw 90 unread texts, which I had at one point. <laughs> but I just need people in my life who are going to understand that I might not be the fastest to respond at text and email and all the other inboxes, but I do care. And I am trying to build things that are helpful for people in the world. And that's that. And I think if we can all give each other some understanding and compassion, we can simultaneously drop the guilt that comes with it and that need to feel that we have to be always on. Oh, that is so great. I mean, trying to have, you know, friends or a tribe that understands that you might leave their message on red for a day if it's not something <laughs> urgent. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And companies... I think, you know, companies talk about work-life balance. They even have programs. Google, we had programs for over a decade managing your energy or um, programs on meditation and mindfulness. And the good thing is more and more companies are adopting programs like these. But on the downside, I think what tends to happen in bigger companies, first of all, we can be our own worst boss if you're self-employed. There's no getting around that. You have to still have boundaries because it's very easy to sort of tyrannize oneself, even when you leave a job. But within companies, there sometimes get to be norms around, well, my manager just expects to see me online at 8 or 9 or 10 or 11 p.m. And this is what I hear when I'm on the road doing speaking events. And I just think that even well-intentioned companies will sort of take as much as they can get. And it's up to you not to check your email after 7. And it's up to you to draw those boundaries and not to make it be the first thing you see in the morning. And let them tell you that that's unacceptable. And at that point, you might even want a different job. But there was a point where I just decided to drop the guilt, even when I was at Google, around, you know what? I remember very clearly saying, I need to scale it back or I'm going to keep burning out. And I calculated it would take them at least six months to fire me. Like if this strategy doesn't work about pulling back on the amount that I was giving, mm -hmm. then They'll put me on a performance plan, performance improvement plan for three months. And then if that doesn't go well, then they'll probably start to try to fire me. And the amazing thing was when I pulled back and stopped vying for this promotion as this obsession I had at work, I even exceeded expectations. My performance reviews didn't change, but I was so much saner about how I went about my day-to-day -day work. There seems to be now, and I've been seeing it just on social in the last, oh gosh, probably the last couple of months I've noticed it, this backlash against the hustle. I saw a video, a Gary Vee put out a new video where he talks about how he has had a change of heart. I mean, you know, wow. about the hustle and the constant running of yourself, you know, and burning yourself out, you know, anything, um, you know, drop everything but your career. And he did this video and I thought that's really interesting interesting for him to say at this point in his life. And he says, I've, I've come to realize the hustle just, it grinds you into the ground and it's not worth it when there's so much in life that, you know, we need to be taking in besides work. That's so powerful coming from him because he was hustler in chief, you know, he right. was the one flying that flag for so long. And there, for years now, I've been saying my least favorite phrase is I'll sleep when I'm dead or some sentiment that means sacrificing oneself in the short term for some kind of long-term dream. I believe that the way we do things, the way we build 
now, today matters. The process matters. How we feel today matters. Our happiness, our joy, our ease, our equanimity matters and it affects the end result. Like I, you know, I mentioned launching pivot. You brought that up. I often tell authors, nobody wants to see a burnt out author on book tour. And what that means is like, it's so easy to kind of assume, Oh, I need to work myself into the ground for this thing that I care about. But the product suffers. I think when we do that and we run companies that way, you know, there was this article on Amazon a few years ago about how they, burn and churn through employees. And that's not a sustainable long-term strategy. They got a lot of backlash for that. And the same with the Gary Vee mindset. I can't wait to check out what he just posted because I think those of us who've been there and already hit points of burnout and our own plateaus just know that it's not, it's not sustainable. And I don't think that any business or career is worth killing yourself because we're not guaranteed anything in this life. And I have clients who have done 30 years, super intense careers, but they wake up one day and realize they're not guaranteed the next five, 10, 20, 30 years. So now's the time to scale back. And if, if companies, clients, people can't get on board with that, I, I feel strongly that that's not a company or a client that I want to have. Let's talk about some strategies since I have, you know, we have listeners of various ages. So let, let's start with um, some strategies perhaps for people who are just starting their career. You're kind of, you know, coming into this, coming into this time where all these companies are disrupting. You may be equipped with, you know, all of the digital skills that you have, that you, you need, but not so equipped with the experience to navigate some of the negotiation you'll need to do. What are some of the things you, you suggest to young people just starting their careers? For young people, no. I I tell them, think of your career like a smartphone. Your education and your upbringing is your out-of-the-box model, and it's up to you to download apps for different skills, interests, education, passion projects that you love. And even the worst job or the most simple internship can give you very valuable apps. So when I worked at the startup company, I was 20 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. I was the first employee. I had no peers or people around me that I could learn from, so I started reading voraciously business, personal development, fitness, finance books. And I asked if my boss would send me to coding school so I could work better with our web designer, understand what she was doing, manage that process. I learned about the Google AdWords product, which later ended up helping me get that job. I even was the one reordering toilet paper and trying to anticipate when the office was going to need more toilet paper and jumping on it so that by the time someone came and knocked on my little cube door, I was able, they said, oh, we need more toilet paper. And I said, it's in the mail. It, this was even before Amazon Prime was so like, on it <laughs> back in 2005. And if I had seen that kind of task was beneath me, it would have been a huge miss. And instead, delight in finding systems for ordering toilet paper before anybody can think to ask you. Like It might seem that you're just doing this low-level stuff, but that mindset and those systems and learning and anticipating and being proactive, that serves you the rest of your career. Love it. That is so such great advice. All right, let's move on to kind of mid-career. So you've done something for a while. You've built up some proficiency at it. Not sure if you want to continue doing it or make a pivot to something else. What kind of things do you need to think about? I have a lot of coaching clients who come to me and wonder if they should quit their job. And I'm not, even though I am self-employed eight years, I'm not the one that just says, oh yeah, everybody should just quit their job. If you hit a plateau, time to leave. 
I'm really big on asking, what can you create even within your role or within the organization that is in the direction of your dreams? I have seen so many people who create their own role, their own dream job for themselves within an organization, which is such a great interim pivot for anything they do down the road, whether it's another company or their own business. And a lot of people just don't think to do it. So how can you take on one project in the direction that interests you? So one time I had a coaching client who was working in finance for seven years, but she was really interested in people. So she did coach training on nights and weekends and then started to network with the people operations team. Things like that, where you start to break your role down, I talk about pivot portfolio. Instead of seeing it that you have one role and one title at whatever company or point in your career that you're at, turn it into a portfolio. We're all juggling any, I don't know, three to five core projects or job functions at any given time, and they're much more malleable than people think. So I find it quite frustrating to just angle for promotion all the time. It's out of your control. There's only one CEO. It's just something that creates a lot of frustration and angst and disappointment. And instead, if you could think, well, if I got promoted, then what? What's important to me about that? Is it visibility? Is it responsibility, project scope, exposure, connections within the organization, even in your own business? And once you know what you think that this promotion would get you, you can start creating that in smaller 10 to 20% projects as part of your role. And then those are the ones that tend to grow organically over time. Interesting. So let's say you're not maybe in the growth portion of your career. You're toward the end of the career. You've got maybe another 15 years to go to retirement or another 10 years to go or so. We talked a little bit about the difficulties of age discrimination at this end that um, a lot of people talk about that, that are still there. What can you do to be the best, more, most fulfilled employee you can be at the, at the later stage of your career? I have this real side passion and interest for thinking about it's, it's not even retirement or post-retirement because so many people I know who are high net growth are really excited to move into the next phase of, of creation and building something, whether it's their own business or consulting. So a question I like to ask for people at that level is, what are you most excited about next? It's okay if you don't know yet, but what within these next, for some of my clients, they know they're going into their last company, their last job role that they're going to have for someone else, and then they're going to do their own thing. So what would best position you? What would you be proud to accomplish? What are you the most excited to be working on? I'm so happy. The one time I was quoted in the New York Times, it was for an advice column, the workologist, on climbing down the corporate ladder. I'm so proud that my name is associated with climbing down the corporate <laughs> ladder because I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to go up and up and up and up. And if someone, the article specifically was about someone who didn't want to manage a team anymore. He wanted to actually go down to be an individual contributor. And I am all for it. If we drop our ego and that impression that we can only go up, I think it's very interesting to look at everything you've done in your career and what's one area that you could now concentrate on and really develop expertise and a reputation at. So at that stage, it might even be beneficial to think about if you've only been building a reputation within your company or within your business or small niche, how can you become, my friend Dory calls it a recognized expert, Dory Clark, she wrote a great book on this called Standout. How can you start to become a recognized 
expert in your broader industry in a specific area that you already have such a wealth of knowledge in. And then that's going to really position you very well for the next 10 years when you pivot into doing your own thing or post-retirement consulting, whatever that looks like. Right, because so many people just don't want to retire now, not because they you know, don't love to play golf or love to travel, but they just want more choices because they still love to work. They're still engaged. They want to leverage those skills and still be creative and still contribute. Absolutely. The majority, you can only do so much golf and even so much travel. Right. The majority that I speak with, and I'm sure, Christina, you and I attract people who are by nature really interested in creating and building things. But there's a lot of excitement at that stage because you've paid your dues, you've done your time, now you get to really think, you get to kind of wave the magic wand, hopefully, and say, if I could do anything at all, what would it be? And not to be self-conscious as well about learning. You know, the biggest thing, sometimes I feel that those who are nearing retirement um, maybe are feeling intimidated about technology, like they don't know half as much as the younger generations. The biggest difference that I experience of myself and say my parents or my grandparents' generation is a willingness to try. So with technology, I'm willing to poke at it, try, fumble around, and teach myself a new piece of software or even a new iPhone upgrade. And I think sometimes there's a story. If you tell yourself a story, I'm not good at technology, well, you won't even try. And then, and then that does create barriers and differences across the generations. Right. So tell us how, how people can, uh, well, first, before I ask you that, um, I want to ask you about your own creativity. So uh, what are you working on now? I know that you have your coursework that you're doing and you're working with your clients. How do you stay creative in all of those different realms that you're involved in now? I realized that one of the most creative things for me is just going to sound so weird, but it's just systems and business building. It's like beyond, I actually don't think of myself as a writer at my heart of hearts. I don't wake up every day and write in this romantic setting with my coffee. No, I'm not good at it. I like thinking and I like having big ideas and getting them out to the world, but the writing itself um, doesn't energize me as much as just building my business and thinking about systems and how to do things more efficiently and also how to create heart-based businesses. So a lot of what you're talking about, Christina, and how do we move beyond burnout and, and run businesses, even small solo or solo pluspreneurship operations with joy and ease and intuition. That's what I always am interested in exploring on the Pivot podcast. And the, the main thing where I'm channeling that now is the private momentum community that I run for side hustlers and solopreneurs. I'm I'm actively thinking every day, like, if I could teach what I've learned in eight years of self-employment and give people a shortcut somehow and give them the systems, that would make it so worth it for me. So if I took the long road, how can I shorten it for others? And that that does light me up every day, even being here on the on a conversation like this one with you. Wow, I love it. Well, I don't I don't do that for other people, but just for myself and my own pivot now that I'm working uh, both in, in traditional broadcast with the radio station, plus I'm running my own business. Uh, my constant mantra for the last year and a half has been systems, so workflows, workflows, workflows. I got, if I can yes. nail my workflows, then I feel like I could be my pro- most productive and my happiest self. And those are, I think, difficult for entrepreneurs because you can get up and work work from nine in the morning till nine at night to get everything done. But that's not going to, that's not going to create the kind of creative, uh, you know, uh, passion for your business and, and the creative uh, solutions you need to the issues you're trying to solve. 
Oh, I love that this is your focus. I'm already sensing our third conversation. <laughs> <It's gonna be laughs> around systems and workflows. I can't wait to learn from you on that front as well. Um, let's uh, tell everyone how they can get in touch with you. And I mean, I have to say your book was like a textbook for me as I was going through my own pivot and I did all the workflows. I joined your community. I I looked at all the quizzes and it really kind of helped me achieve that clarity. So let's tell everyone else where to find you and how to get your good stuff. Thank you so much, Christina. It means the world coming from you. The best place is head over to pivotmethod.com. Slash toolkit, there are a bunch of free tools and templates that go with the book. If you haven't checked out the book, Pivot Podcast, wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And if you are interested in Momentum, the private community for solopreneurs building heart-based businesses, that's at pivotmethod.com slash momentum. You can join the interest list for when doors reopen. Fantastic. Jenny Blake, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. How is the weather in New York? Is it nice these days? It's nice. There's a thunderstorm every now and then, and it's hot and humid, but the only thing that's difficult is podcasting because I turn all the AC off, so by the end of any conversation, (laughs) but I love New York. Even with the crazy weather, I wouldn't change it. All right. Well, when you make it to California next, we need to do like a little wine country meetup or something. That would be fun. I love it. (laughs) Yes, I would love that, and thank you again for having me back on the show. Absolutely. You bet. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Jenny Blake. Again, a couple of the books that she mentioned that are great reading if you want a deeper dive. Uh, Cal Newport, just look him up. Just Google Cal Newport. You'll find all of his great works. Uh, Deep Work is one of his best books, and he talks all about anti-distraction techniques there. The other she mentioned is Indistractable by Nir Ayal. It is definitely on my reading list. I've ordered the audiobook already and will order the uh, the hard copy when it comes out. It's still, I think, a couple of weeks away. Distraction is an ongoing challenge for all of us, and the more we can get a handle on it, the more we can pursue um, our deepest desires in terms of our career and professional lives. So please subscribe to A Fresh Agenda on SoundCloud for more great episodes. I've got other fantastic conversations with supermodel Kathy Ireland. You will not believe uh, the businesses that she is building. Celebrity chef Tyler Florence, former Cosmo editor and chief Kate White. Uh, Kate White, by the way, will be in the Sacramento area in November for a big women's conference. And those tickets are on sale now at harriscenter.net. And don't forget to check out each morning uh, the KFBK Morning News. We're on News 93.1 FM, 1530 AM, and on your iHeartRadio app worldwide. Sam, Shane, and I are there every weekday from 5 AM until 9 AM, and we're, we're doing deeper stories, more relevance, more context, more perspectives. And thanks again to my sponsors, New Age Aerial and New Age Designs. Reach out anytime. This has been A Fresh Agenda. I'm Christina Mendonca. We'll talk to you soon. Let's stay connected. Conversations to connect your productivity and creativity. This is A Fresh Agenda.